and welcome back to the Don't Stop Me Now podcast. I am your host, Jennifer Vaughn. I'm coming to you live from my freaking kitchen. There's two kids upstairs. I'm going to cross my fingers that nobody comes and interrupts me. Um, It is Sunday morning, but you'll be hearing this on Monday. I um, sound a little raspy, and I think it's because there's fires in California. Again, um, California always seems to be on fire, and it's not anywhere near me, but I know it looks a little smoky in our area. Nothing like this time last year. This time last year was insane. It was just like... um, the apocalypse yeah it was really dark during the day and then the sunsets were incredible because everything was orange not really though incredible it was really scary um because they were much closer at that time i know they're up like kind of closer to tahoe and even near my parents in twainheart i'm pretty sure but they're affecting my parents in roseville as well but again My throat sounds weird, and I don't know, maybe that's what it is. You know, we always have, it's always overcast here by the ocean, but I think we are having some smoke. So um, I want to start off this podcast by, of course, saying that I am HIV positive. I need to do that more often. Um, Just in case you were wondering, I was diagnosed in, I was going to say 2014. Nope, it was... um, I was diagnosed in 2016, so, and I know I contracted it in 2013, so what does that make that? This is my mm, eighth year of having HIV, I guess. Yeah, seven, eight, yes, eight years. Um, And five on treatment or six on treatment, getting close to six on treatment, I think. Wait, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. So I'm on my sixth year of treatment. I've already done five years, and I've been undetectable almost, you know, within like a couple months of um, taking my medication and nothing's changed. I've just been undetectable ever since. So that is a good thing. Um, I wanted to say that I listened to my podcast from last week. I always re-listen to it, obviously, to edit. Um, I do take out some stuff, especially last week. I did have some moments where I just went blank. Um, So I did take out a little bit of that, but I did leave in some of the uh, goofiness that was my Um, that was the effect of the edible that I had. And somebody had written to me and they said, what's an edible? Um, well, it's marijuana in food form, I guess. Um, so it was, it's a little gummy and it tastes delicious. Honestly, if you didn't know that it was laced with THC, you'd eat the whole little can. I mean, they're really, really good, but, um, you have to know that they will have an effect on you within an hour. And this one affected me faster than I thought it would. I think I only took eight milligrams, but normally I was going to sleep with them. And this time it's decided to do a podcast and I was struggling. Oh my gosh. I knew I was talking, but like I, it's that weird thing where you kind of like your mouth is moving and it's saying a lot of stuff. And then you're not really sure what you said, you know, a paragraph before or whatever, or even a sentence before you're like, wow. And you really lose your train of thought. And I used to think that was a really scary feeling, but you know, it just seems sort of silly and funny this last time, but I will never do that again because I really had it, had a lot of trouble focusing and um, I don't want my podcast to sound like that where I'm just completely out of it. But it was a fun experiment. It really was, but boy, it was really like, I was trying to focus um, so much and it was not easy. I'm trying to get to my notes here and I, I can't seem to like push the button and talk at the same time because I definitely follow uh, notes. Where are they? There we go. Topics I've covered. I don't want to repeat things. Okay. Um, and I had said during that podcast, I was right in, 
in the like um, doing an explanation about when you put your two fingers on the trackpad. This is a kid told me this trick um, when I was teaching seventh grade the other day, and he said, "You know, Miss Vaughn, you don't have to like." put the cursor on the space bar. You don't have to like bring it over there and then move it up and down. You can just put your two fingers on the trackpad and it'll move the page up and down for you. So new trick. I had no idea that that was possible. Also, you can hit the space bar and pause any video and start it again. You don't have to like get the cursor right on those two little straight lines, those vertical lines, and then back on the play button, the triangle. You can just hit the space bar and it stops the video and starts it again. Two things I learned from my awesome seventh graders this uh, this last week. So yeah, I always, I always do re-listen to my podcast when I'm editing it, but I also listen to it in my car again, just to kind of get a feel for what it sounds like outside of my house and in my um, you know, from my editing on my computer, it's a totally different thing to listen to it in my car. It's sort of insane. Like it feels crazy that I can actually pull up my podcast on my radio and find it. Um, well, it's through my phone, but you know what I mean? So, I mean, I've always been a huge fan of, um, Howard Stern and I'm like, wow, how the hell did I end up doing this? Like, this is crazy. I never in a million years thought that I would be doing something where I'm speaking and people are listening through their phones or their cars or whatever. It's really awesome. So, um, I'm really having a lot of fun doing it. Um, okay. Moving on. I was thinking about this person that I told you guys about last week, um, that I had sort of a back and forth with and it was going really well until I decided to just throw it all out there and tell him who I was. Go ahead and check me out on YouTube. His name was uh, quote unquote Lenny. And um, he had pretty much come to the conclusion within, you know, minutes after watching my videos that I was not for him. And he just said, you know, not even a friendship. It couldn't go that way for him. And um, but good luck and all of that. And, you know, I was really fine with that. And I said, I don't care because I'm not invested in him. And I'm not, I'm really not. I, I don't, it didn't hurt my feelings. But with regards to stigma, and I do now, like looking back at that, I'm like, it started to kind of bother me like more and more. It was like, you know, this is what it's all about is that um, I'm trying to stop. I just picked something on my arm and now it's bleeding. Why did I do that? Um, this is what it's all about is me trying to show people, mostly through my social media, that I'm no different than I was before. I'm no threat. I take a pill. I'm not sexually transmittable at this point. So there's nothing different about me. You don't have to worry about anything. All it is, is that there's three letters in my medical diagnosis that says that I have this virus now, but it won't affect you. And my life is no different. But because of those three letters, this person chose to not continue a conversation at all. And I, I will always say, I see both sides of this because I know if I didn't have this, I would do the same. Probably I would feel that immediate knee jerk reaction to jump and be like, Oh God, no. But I, at the same time, it irritates me that that was the reaction. It was like, you're basically a leper. I'm jumping away from you. I cannot have anything to do with you. So his loss, he lost out on knowing somebody that's smart. I think I'm attractive. I've been through a lot. I'm strong. I'm funny. You know, I think, well, I'm not trying to like, you know, pump myself up, but I'm a quality human being. And just because those three letters in my medical diagnosis are there, he completely decided to jump ship, which again, both sides, I understand it, but at the same time, it pisses me off. And it pisses me off more for everybody else out there who's dealing with this kind of rejection because it's just completely unnecessary. It's like basically me saying, I have a hangnail and he says, well, I can't, I can't be with you then. I mean, really, that's how much it affects me. It's the same as a hangnail. It's not even 
it's not even that. Like it literally doesn't affect me at all. A hangnail would be worse. So, you know, when you look at it that way, um, it kind of, yeah, it just bothered me. The more I thought about it, I was like, you know what, Lenny, F you, you know, that you didn't even like, you listened to my, my information that I gave you and you just dismissed it because you're going with stigma. And this seemed like a very intelligent person. And instead of, you know, using his brain and really understanding what this is today, he went with an old feeling of what this used to be from the freaking eighties and nineties and decided that I wasn't a worthy enough human being to know anymore. And, you know, that's what I'm learning through this whole dating quote unquote experiment, because at this point, really, I, I don't want anybody in my life. I don't, I know that. And, um, it's fine to have friends and flirtations, I guess. But as far as like anything serious, I don't, I know that I don't want that right now. So, um, at this point I'm still talking to people on these apps and it is fun. You know, it's the attention's nice, but you know, will I go out and meet with somebody? I don't know, possibly, but I don't think I'm going to, at this point, explain to anybody who I am anymore. I think like, I'll just see how conversations go. And if somebody decides they want to meet up with me, I will, but this isn't, I'm not, I mean, I've put it in my, both my profiles on Tinder and Hinge, then I'm not looking for a hookup and I'm not looking for anything serious. I'm, I, I basically said, I'm just kind of hanging out here and just seeing what's who's here and what's happening basically. So I'm, I'm not on either of the extremes. I don't want either. Uh, so I'm just somewhere in the middle. And I think hopefully that is sort of a relief for some people or maybe not. And, and it will help people know right away that they should either swipe left or right. Cause it's pretty clear that I'm not one of those two things. Cause for the most part, it seems like people are either looking for, you know, their, their life partner, or they're just looking for a hookup. And I don't want either at this moment. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. I'll keep you guys updated, but I am still talking to people. And, um, for the most part, it's, yeah, it's fine. It's whatever. I unmatch a lot of people and I notice people unmatch me too. And sometimes I wonder if they're taking my pictures and doing the, I don't know what you call it, the reverse image thing where they, it'll show where it will come up on the internet and they, see, I mean, I keep wondering that for the people that have unmatched me, I'm like, I wonder if they're taking my pictures and figuring out that I'm who I am. Cause it's not hard to find me on the internet. So, um, who knows? I will never know, but it's okay. Cause it's all so anonymous and then they just disappear and that's the end of it. And it's, it's whatever, but I do it too. I unmatch people also. I like, I just think I have no business talking to you. You're either too young or your life is so different than mine, or I really don't like I don't know, your nose or something like that. And I'll just unmatch them. So whatever, no harm done. But I did want to touch on that point about that particular person because I did think that that was kind of, it is shitty. It's shitty. I mean, there's no two ways to say it. He's, he heard HIV and he said, I'm out of here. So yeah, kind of sucks. Okay, um, I want to give a shout out to Devante. Her, I can't remember your last name. It starts with an H. Um, Devante, I want to say Hernandez, but I think that's wrong. Let me check it out. Um, I didn't put your last name on here. It's okay. Um, he had a dream about me, and I said, um, "Well, God, I hope it was okay." And he said, "It was a crazy dream." And I said, "Well, that's that seems appropriate because I am kind of crazy." And he said he dreamt that we had a great date. So. Um, that's awesome. I'm glad that I actually went on a date in someone's dream because it's definitely not happening in real life. So Devante, I'm glad we had a great date. Uh, I want to say hey to Lindsay Williams, who listens to my podcast. Um, hey to my bro, Brian Vaughn, Farzad, 
downtown Stephanie Brown, Pia Woman. Um, I want to say that I keep thinking I've been saying Colleen Hickey, but I think her name's Colleen Dickey. I was saying it wrong all that time. Sorry about that. Misty Diane, Richie, Beatty in the UK. And who else do I want to say hi to? Kelly Lee and John McDougal, my stepbrother, who's got lots of cicadas in Texas. Oh my gosh. Speaking of, oh, we were at a football game Friday night at Aftahas High. My God, by the way, my son goes to the most amazing high school for, it should be like Friday Night Lights. Is that what it's called? Friday Night Lights? I think that's what it's called. This high school could be the same. I mean, it's like, I know we're not in Texas. I know it's a big deal in Texas, all the high school football games, but this school has put in so much money into their football program and it's unreal. We have a beautiful field. Our scoreboard is was donated from a past 49er quarterback, Trent Dilfer, who was like two years before my ex-husband, Chris, when he went there. They went to school at the same time, or maybe a year before, um, named after his son, Trevin Dilfer, who unfortunately died of some very rare genetic um, disorder. I think he was like six or seven, but it says Trevin Dilfer Field. And so we have that scoreboard. We have like the big blow up I don't know what you call it. Like the thing that they run through, like you'd see at the Super Bowl where the team runs through this big blow up thing. And it's like, you know, it's like a tunnel. And then it has another piece that's like a big arch that has an A for Aptos. And like I said to my, I was there with my, my uh, Owen's dad, Chris. And, um, and I said, God, what do you think they paid for that thing? And we're like, we both guessed about five grand probably. And then they have, you know, like three sets of cheerleading squads and they're all really good. And then they have, they're throwing out free t-shirts. They've got an awesome snack shack that's happening with all the parents from, um, you know, I don't know, somehow I should probably be in there helping, but they're doing barbecue pits. They're doing, you know, you got, you name it, they've got it. And they don't even charge that much, like a bowl or whatever, a little tray of nachos was like three bucks. I mean, things were fairly inexpensive. So that line is nonstop. They must make a killing on the food. I'm thinking they probably make three grand every game. And then the players look great. We have a really big army of players. It was really sad. I will get to my point. What made me even bring that up? What made me even think of that? The cicadas. Okay, I'm getting to it. So we're there at the game. The sun finally goes down. Um, the varsity team's out there. And by the way, like I said, we have an army of players. Like, I can't believe how many people are on our team because I look across the field and Mills was there. Mills High School. They came from Millbrae, which is near San Francisco, which meant they drove over an hour to get to us. And it was like heartbreaking because they had their players on the field and there was literally three, no, five players on the sidelines where we had like 30, like it was so unbalanced. And then of course we have our stands that are absolutely full of people and there's just a lot of energy on our side. Like it's just, it's unreal. Great music too. They played like uh, Taylor Swift. Um, Got nothing on my, I don't remember. Got nothing. I can't remember the words. And I start moving. I can't remember, but whatever. I mean, that song just makes you want to like sing and kind of move your body. And then they even played like, oh, they played ACDC, um, Back in Black. I mean, like, I was like, God, this is freaking amazing. And we get in free because my ex-husband, it would be eight bucks a person, but my ex-husband um, is in the Hall of Fame at Aptos High for his um, time during the, I think it was 86 when he played on the basketball team and his team went all the way to the state finals. His dad was the coach. That's why the, the 
the gym is named after his dad, Warmer Dam Gymnasium. That's the older gym. They have two gyms. There's a newer gym also. But the older one was where Chris played. So anyways, we're on the list, the family list, for uh, for free tickets. So I'm included, even though I'm not even married to Chris anymore. It was really nice. It just says Warmer Dam Family, and I get to go in for free. Of course, Owen's on the freshman team, so he already gets to go in for free. So this okay yeah so it's really sad looking at the other side literally i don't even know less than 20 people came on their side obviously their bleachers are much smaller than ours because that's typical for visitor bleachers but it just looked dark over there and like sad and we oh my, i don't even know what the final was for the varsity um, game we didn't stay we left at halftime because it kind of started getting cold and it was like 40 something to nothing and the jv team beat the the mills team Again, 40-something to nothing. So I don't know what the varsity team ended up. It could have been like 60-something. I have no idea, but it was really hard to watch. There was no competition. We were killing them. And it's so sad to see those people over there. I feel so, like, honestly, like, it made me want to cry, like, looking at them. I thought, oh, my God, like, I want them to at least score once. Like, this is so sad. We're just, like, completely killing them. And it's not fun to go to a game when you're just winning that much. It's like you want some kind of, like, competition. So that was a bit of a bummer, but we're sitting there watching the game and we're sitting in the bleachers. So there's one seat, you know, there's the walkway in front of you. There's the one bench. And then we went up and sat up one bench above that. So we kind of were putting our feet on the bench below. So it's like Owen, me and Chris, or was it, I think, or maybe it was me, Owen and Chris. That was it. It was me, Owen and Chris. And so I'm, I'm sitting there watching the game and it's dark at this point. The big bright lights are on and this thing gets, I don't, it felt like it was thrown in front of me, lands on the ground, like in the walkway area, kind of right in front of where the first bench is. And it's, I kid you not, it was at least three inches long and it was on its back and its legs were wiggling and it had feelers and it was a goddamn beetle. I've never, ever seen a beetle like that where I live. Never in a million years. I look up at the, well, first of all, that scared the crap out of me because it like shot in front of me. And so I didn't know what was happening. I thought somebody threw it at me. So I like literally like Jackie O in the car after JFK gets shot, I'm climbing behind Owen. I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm jumping behind him. I'm like, oh my God, like I'm pulling my knees up to me. I don't even know what that is. And Chris is laughing. It had landed on his shoulder. He said he felt something. He had a white shirt on. He said he felt something in like five seconds. And then he touched his shoulder and he realized he had something. Oh my God, I'm getting goosebumps all over me. He grabbed it and threw it across right in front of me and Owen. And it landed on the ground upside down in front of us. So he's laughing because he knows the people above him for sure saw it. And they're probably like cracking up this gigantic beetle head landed on his back. Anyways, some lady, um, which it should have been me because typically I'm okay with bugs and I save spiders and everything, but I don't know. I didn't know if this thing was going to jump or fly or anything. So I didn't want to get near it. And everybody in the stands is kind of like, we all saw it. Everybody was like, oh, and um, she comes up and crouches down and gets a piece of paper and is able to flip it over. And she's walking it over away from, you know, the, what do you call it? The seats, the stadium part. And she brings it away. But then within minutes, there's people running in front of us, like, like, holding their head like, Wah! you know, and so there's all these, I think there was more that had landed 
kind of away from us. So I don't know. I don't know where they came from. There's trees all around us, like big, giant, you know, I don't know if they're oak trees, whatever. There's gigantic trees all around. It's really beautiful, but they must have come out there and they liked the lights. Um, uh, I still don't know what it was. I have no clue. I've, like I said, I've lived here for, I don't know, over 20 years. I've never seen a gigantic beetle like that. Um, but it was pretty funny. Like the reaction, I literally lost my mind. All of a sudden I was behind Owen. I don't even know how it happened. <laughs> and I was holding my, my knees up and like curling my toes under like, oh my God, get that thing away from me. So yeah, it was kind of crazy. And it was pretty funny to hear that it had actually landed on Chris and he just chucked it because he didn't know what was going on. And he didn't, I don't think it got hurt. I think it's okay. Although Owen thought he saw one dead one when we were, um, when we were leaving. And that made me feel bad because it was big, like the size of like a hummingbird. I mean, it was big. I don't want anyone to step on them, you know, be careful. They're, they're just, they're harmless, I think. And they deserve to be alive and not have anybody step on them. So that was, uh, that was quite exciting on Friday night. Okay. Back to my, um, my list here. Oh, I need to mention that on Thursday, I will be live on Instagram on thebody.com. It'll be 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Charles Sanchez. I'm going to have to literally leave my class and go do this in my car because I promised Charles, we tried to do this like three weeks ago and something went wrong on his end. He needed like a, um, oh, what do you call it? That goddamn Google Authenticator code to get in somehow. It, something got all messed up on his end. So he was so frustrated and, you know, we'd finally figured this date out. And then I said, you know, the closer we get to August, I'm not going to be able to do this because I'm going to be working. So I thought I'm just going to take this one day off and I'll just, you know, make myself available just this one day. I'm going to literally take the day off and do this um, Instagram live. So I promised him that I'd be available on this Thursday. And then I ended up in a long-term sub job and I'm really needed there every single day. I can't just take a day off. So I've told them I have this prior commitment. Can somebody come into the classroom and just cover me during this one hour? And it's like, I didn't really know what to tell them because I don't think they know what I do. And I just, I told the front office lady, I said, I just have this other commitment where I have to be it's an Instagram live. It's sort of like an interview and she goes, Oh yeah. Like an interview thing or whatever. And she may know about me and my stuff, but I don't know for sure. Cause it sounded like she didn't want me. She didn't want to push me to have me say anymore. So I was like, all right, maybe she just gets it. I don't know. But she was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get that covered. I'm like, okay, cool. So, so that's covered. And I will be again, doing that on Thursday, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time with Charles Sanchez and 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the body.com Instagram live. Um, okay, so, oh, one other thing, the injectable somebody, I don't know why this isn't clear because I've said it many times, but Cabanuva um, is the injectable. It is available in the U.S. and Canada. I don't know where else it's available. It's the shot that you get once a month. I think it's going to turn into an every uh, two months thing. People have asked me if I if I'm doing it. I think I've made it really clear that I haven't done it yet. But there you go. No, I have not done it. Um, I will be asking my doctor about it. I was supposed to have my appointment in October, but I'm going to have to change it because it falls on a date that I'm working at my after school program. So that will probably delay my next appointment a little bit. But I will be asking her about it, and hopefully I'll be able to do it maybe the next time. 
I don't know, maybe by December or January, because usually we do everything, or maybe sooner, I don't know. So I'm gonna ask her about it and see if I can do it too. Um, I had Cyber Homo here, Edward, who's um, his his at on Instagram is at Cyber Homo. He was here last Sunday. We had a great day. We went all around Santa Cruz. He and uh, my daughter Joey and I, we all hung out. He said, again, it's just crazy because he has the Cabanuva injection. So he's had it. He doesn't have to think about taking a pill every day it's done. Like he doesn't have to think about this. It's, it's as much as you can feel HIV negative as possible. Like it really is where I still have to take a pill every day. Oh my gosh. I have to take my pill right now. Hold on. Jesus. It's one thirty. I just like to be on top of it. Hold on. Um, I'm in the kitchen and I grab some, mm. I'll open a LaCroix. All right, down the hatch. Okay, so I'm looking forward to this, um, you know, not having to think about taking a pill every day, but I do wonder, I still think the stigma will be there, unfortunately, even though for us living it, it will feel so much less as far as like in our heads that we will feel absolutely negative but I don't think it will make a difference to people who are HIV negative and, you know, maybe thinking about having relations with us. I think they will still have the same fear. And that's unfortunate, but I get it at the same time. I'm always right on both sides because I used to be negative for most of my life, obviously. So I have all the stigma from then and I still like know what it feels like to think of somebody with HIV and I wouldn't want to mess with it. So I totally get that. But I'm obviously very educated on it now, and I know as a person living with it that I can't harm anyone, and there's nothing to be worried about. So, um, yeah, it's it's yeah, it just it just sucks. I wish I could put what's going on in my brain that I know about it, and put that in everyone else's brains so that they really understood, right? But it's very hard to change the stigma that's been there for so many years, unfortunately. So yeah, I will be talking to my doctor about that eventually. All right, the Moderna, they're looking at a vaccine and human trials. I put this on my story recently. It's all very confusing. Um, you know, it gets really scientific when I go into this article. So I don't want to go into too much detail. I just know that Moderna is starting, which is so great because I freaking bought stock in Moderna. Uh, right before the vaccine came out. It's doing really well. So I'm like, well, this might actually do even better now. So, okay. So this is the beginning of an article that was from the Smithsonian Magazine. Um, again, I'll link it in my show notes. The pharmaceutical and biotech company Moderna could begin human clinical trials for two new mRNA-based HIV vaccines as early as September 19th, according to a study record posted to the United States National Institute of Health Clinical Trial Registry. Boy, that's a mouthful. Um, the vaccines will use a mechanism similar to the groundbreaking mRNA system in their COVID-19 vaccine, reports Science Alerts. Fiona McDonald. The study is expected to take place until 2023. Let me clarify that this is not a vaccine for me 
to not have HIV. This is a vaccine for people who do not have HIV. I, I don't think that that's clear all the time. I think people think that they hear HIV vaccine and they think, oh, everybody with HIV won't have it anymore. That's not what it is. This is a vaccine to prevent HIV because there's still, just in the US alone, there's like almost 40,000 new cases every year. So they're trying to find a way to get a hold of this pandemic. And this is one of the approaches. So um, if you go to hiv.gov, they have an article here and I will link this one also, which just is more like clear to me. It's just under HIV vaccines. I just, I Googled why, or will there be a vaccine for HIV? And um, I thought this information was good. They have a little bit about what are vaccines and what do they do? So vaccines are products made from very small amounts of weak and dead germs, such as viruses, bacteria, or toxins that can cause diseases. They help your immune system fight infections faster and more effectively. So when you get a vaccine, it sparks your immune response, helping your body fight off and remember the germ so it can attack it if the germ ever invades again. And since vaccines are made of very small amounts of weak or dead germs, they won't make you sick. So vaccines are usually administered by a shot, but sometimes can be administered by mouth or nasal spray. They are widely used to prevent diseases like polio, chickenpox, measles, mumps, rubella, influenza, which is the flu, hepatitis A and B, and HPV, human papillomavirus. So um, my daughter's got that. It was the three-shot um, vaccine. So basically this just says, is there a vaccine to prevent HIV? It says, no, there's currently no vaccine, but of course this is what Moderna is going into the human trials for. Um, there was no vaccine available that would prevent HIV infection or treat those who have it. However, scientists are working to develop one. NIH, which is the National Institute of Health, is investing in multiple approaches to prevent HIV. Prevent not take it out of my body. This is not what they're working on right now, including a safe and effective preventative HIV vaccine. These research efforts include two late stage multinational, multinational? Yeah, vaccine clinical trials called Oh boy, I don't even know. Imbocodo and Mosaico? Okay, I don't know what that is, but I'm not going to click on those. Other NIH supported research aims to deliver another, or I'm sorry, additional HIV prevention options that are safe, effective, and desirable to diverse populations and scalable worldwide to help end the global pandemic. Um, okay, so why do we need an HIV vaccine to prevent HIV? So this, I thought this was all very good to hear. Today, more people living with HIV than ever before have access to life-saving treatment with HIV medicines called antiretroviral therapy or ART, which is good for their health. When people living with HIV achieve and maintain viral suppression by taking HIV medication daily as prescribed, they can stay healthy and have effectively no risk of sexually transmitting HIV to their partners in addition, others who are at high risk for HIV infection may have access to pre-exposure prophylaxis, that's PrEP or Truvada, or ART being used to prevent HIV. Yet, unfortunately, in 2018, Almost 40,000 people were diagnosed with HIV infection in the U.S. And in 2019, approximately 1.7 million people newly acquired HIV worldwide. So to control and ultimately end HIV globally, we need a powerful array of HIV prevention tools that are widely accessible to all who would benefit from them. So of course, I am preventing HIV by taking my ART. I cannot transmit it anymore. So that's how they're dealing with people who already have HIV. But for those who don't, 
we want vaccines, right? So vaccines historically have been the most effective means to prevent and even eradicate infectious diseases. They safely and cost-effectively prevent illness, disability, and death. Like smallpox and polio vaccines, a preventative HIV vaccine could help save millions of lives. So developing safe, effective, and affordable vaccines can help prevent HIV infection in uninfected people Okay, so basically the long-term goal is to develop a safe and effective vaccine that protects people worldwide from acquiring HIV. However, even if a vaccine only protects some people who get vaccinated, or even if it provides less than total protection by reducing the risk of infection, it could still have a major impact on the rates of transmission and help control the pandemic, particularly for populations, I had to say that four times, at high risk of getting HIV. A partially effective vaccine could decrease the number of people who get infected with HIV, further reducing the number of people who can pass the virus on to others. So by substantially reducing the number of new infections, hopefully, it doesn't say that, but I'm saying that we can stop the epidemic or pandemic, however you want to say it. So they're looking at obviously several different ways of taking this and harnessing it and bringing it down smaller so less people actually get the virus the people that already have it are on effective treatment and you know who knows they say by 2030 there could be a really good handle on this i don't know i think i'll be here to see it (laughs) if it happens i don't think i'm going anywhere anytime soon so that's the latest on that I, i keep getting a lot of people asking me about that and you know do you know about this and uh, Maria HIV Mejia. If you don't know her, follow her on Instagram. She sent me that article, and so I shared it on my Instagram story recently. And you know, I'll, if there's any information, I'll always try to provide that through my Instagram or here on this podcast. So um, I'm doing my best. But you know, a lot of this stuff is really scientific and kind of confusing, and it's not straight up information. Like really people hear HIV vaccine and they think it's a cure. And it's like, no, 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 no. This is like for people who don't have HIV, the people in the study, um, don't have HIV. That's this. I I read further into that Moderna study. And so all of the people that are, they're going to be using for the trials, they don't have HIV. So, you know, I, maybe they're picking people that are particular. Oh my gosh, that's such a hard word to say, particularly in high risk groups being men who have sex with men. And so I'm assuming that that's who they're going to use it on. I don't know why they would put it with, you know, hetero couples or, you know, that are married or something that wouldn't make much sense. Although that can happen, obviously, if somebody strays, but, you know, I think they're going to be going with high risk groups. It didn't say that in the article, but that's just my assumption. So that's what I know about the Moderna trials. And like I said, I have a stock with them, so I'm quite happy about this. Hopefully it will help my stock. Um, let's see, what else can I talk about today? Um, I, I have people that reach out to me all the time freaking out that they think that they've been exposed to HIV. And a lot of the times it's typically where they think like they had a little cut on their mouth and or like a canker sore or even on their hand or... They licked a boob <laughs> or something like that. I mean, I don't mean to be laughing, but like people don't really understand how it's transmitted. And I think a lot of people get confused about oral sex. So let me just say that there's never been any female to female transmission. So, you know, think about that, what that means for men who like to take care of their women orally. Um, yeah, you don't need to be worrying about that. It's not transmitted like that way. It hasn't ever been. So there's never been a case of it. And as far as like someone getting that 
on their end, like the receiver, whether it's male or female, it's not transmitted that way either. People don't have HIV in their mouth and they can put it into somebody's <laughs> through somebody's penis or vagina. Like that does not happen that way. Um, the only possible way orally is if a man ejaculates into somebody's mouth of female or male and they have some kind of like crazy bleeding wound in their mouth. Like the odds of this happening are incredibly low. The CDC even says it's like extremely rare. So people are very concerned about this though. So they need to understand that this is truly not a typical route of transmission. But I don't know why I get that a lot. And I, like I said, somebody said something about licking a boob and having like their, <laughs> their, um, I don't mean to laugh, but it's like, lick all the boobs you want. Like nothing's going to happen, but they have like a crack on their mouth or something. Yeah, no. I think that the uh, that maybe they think because babies get it from breast milk and so they are concerned, like, what if the woman had been, like, you know, um, lactating or something? But, okay, like, let me help you understand this. Babies drink a lot of milk. It's the quantity. They drink so much. And their little immune systems are nothing like our adult immune systems. So, yes, there is this possibility of a baby contracting it through infected breast milk, but a, an adult, sorry, you can drink that breast milk. Nothing's going to happen. Lick those boobies. Nothing's going to happen. So I hope that clarifies that. Um, I think I've talked about it on my podcast before. I have people that go to see masseuses and they, is that the right word? Masseuses? Um, they go to see a masseuse and they'll get a happy ending and they're concerned that the woman might have had a cut on her hand or that they had a cut on their penis and maybe the lady licked her hand or sometimes they think the lady touches their vagina and then touches them, which I don't know why any masseuse would do that. But regardless, none of that is going to transmit HIV. The virus is very weak. It doesn't live in anybody's mouth, first of all, and then uh, or in saliva. And then a woman touching herself and then like, it's not, this is not, no. Think about like my situation where I have ex-partners who were with me for long periods of time who didn't know that I had it. I didn't know I had it. There was no condoms involved and they never got it. So, I mean, there's like, you know, true contact there with my body and there was no transmission. So think about the scenario with a, you know, some, some lady touching herself down there and then putting it on your penis. No, this is like crazy. This is like super irrational concern. But when, when you don't know about transmission, I can see how these things might seem really possible and it seems really scary. But in reality, this is just not how it's transmitted. It, again, I always say it's like it takes a really perfect storm and the highest risk sex is anal sex just because of the construction of that area and the delicacy of the anus and how easily it can tear and the high amount of virus that's in semen if somebody had an uninfected virus or uninfected virus whoa what am i saying an untreated virus so that's just the typical route of transmission so it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen through a vagina cuz yes it can so obviously women get it through that route also I'm still going to stick to my guns and say the odds of a woman giving it to a man are very, very uncommon because of just my experience and the women that I know. And we all 
typically are getting it from men who have had sex with men. So that's the typical scenario. And it seems to stop with us. I'm not saying it's not possible for a woman, but it's one of those rare events. It's just not common. And I just, I see what, you know, these women that I know who have it because they found me through YouTube. Like I always say, I never, ever would have known another woman. Like there's no women in my life that have HIV. Um, I think I came up with like a, like I looked at like numbers and how many um, women get it annually in the U.S. And I figured out how many women there are in the U.S. of like sexual age, you know, or whatever. And I came out with like one out of maybe every 500 to 1,000 women have HIV. So you you really have to like, if you're a hetero man and you're freaking out that you had an exposure, quote unquote, you have to think about the odds of coming across a woman with HIV in the first place. Like this is just a very rare event. And then again, here I am a woman with HIV that was undiagnosed for a while and had partners who were exposed to me for many, many times and didn't get it. And again, I see this scenario with many women I know, um, who have HIV and then it just, you know, it just is very clear that it's very difficult to get it from a woman. So, um, I don't know. They don't talk about it a lot. I mean, it's in, if you look it up statistically, you'll see it. It's, it's in the, um, if you look up HIV.gov and look at statistics for demographics of who was diagnosed with HIV, you know, for whatever years you look at in the past, you'll see that you won't, really find a statistic for hetero men. And for women, it's fairly low. It's typically, uh, they say M to M, male to male sex. So that's just, it's just that it's high risk sex. It's not that it's meant to, um, you know, affect a specific demographic. It's just the sex and the physiological aspect of it that makes it more risky. So that's that. All right, everybody. I'm so glad that I went to my junior high today and picked up my Chromebook or my laptop. I keep calling it a Chromebook because the kids use Chromebooks, but I might, I left my laptop there and I went to the junior high today to go get it. And it's actually kind of funny because I drove up, I was talking to my mom and the school's closed obviously. And I was, I asked the teacher, you know, can I go into the classroom? She said, yeah, it's fine. There's no alarm on my room, but I drove up to the school and the gates were locked and I could see there was one gate that had like, it was like a door gate, you know, with a key. And I thought, oh, my room key should work for this gate. So I go and I try to stick the key in. I'm saying to my mom, oh my God, there the key doesn't work. I came all the way over here to get my laptop so I could do my podcast today and I'm not gonna be able to get in. I can't, like, the key's not working. And I look to my left and there's just like a open walkway right into the school. Like I felt so stupid. So I was like, oh, never mind. <laughs> I can just walk right in here. I don't, I don't need to go through the gate. So I got my laptop and I was able to do my podcast today. So, okay. Um, I hope you all have a great week and enjoy this beautiful summer weather. It's really nice here in California. It's just going to continue to get warmer and warmer. That's our end of August, early September weather. It's pretty hot here. So, and let's pray that they get these fires under control and pray for everybody in Afghanistan as well. That whole story is, I don't get political, but um, it's really awful what's happening right now. And shame on Biden. I'm sorry, but shame on him. This is really horrific. So, okay, I'm ending it with that. <laughs> Have a great one, you guys. Love you all. Bye-bye. If you'd like to be notified for any of my upcoming podcasts, be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to help this girl out, then please rate, review, and share my show. Thanks, guys. Bye.